0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Needed Conversations. This is Ryan and Victoria Cole. Thanks for tuning in for another Needed Conversation. We're transitioning our conversation from talking about marriage with a mission, but it still goes hand in hand of what we're going to discuss this upcoming month, and that's going to be on finances.
1: Yes, it's a big topic for married couples. We found that out at our marriage getaway this year. So many people wanted more from the conversation because it is a big point of contention. It it shows up every day, you know, your budget, where your money's going, whether you're investing, we're gonna be talking about all of that. In fact, we're calling this the prosperous marriage. And so we're talking about prosperity and how to get on the same page with your spouse about money prosperous marriage i'm excited about this conversation
0: it's going to be an incredible conversation because it's going to give you a lot of practical tools to apply on daily basis and make sure that you're communicating but also are able to dream about whatever it is that you're going to want to accomplish this year and maybe in the next five or 20 years
1: make sure you're subscribed so you get all the updates about this podcast and hey before we get started hit that share button share it with a friend Say they're starting a new series, you want to jump in on this. And also, we want to encourage you to become a partner with our ministry. We are a nonprofit helping individuals discover their purpose in God's kingdom. We are helping people date well, build thriving marriages, and then ultimately build a culture in their home where the next generation can do the same. And we're building God's kingdom, isn't that right?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of these conversations that we're having, a lot of people don't have in their homes. And we want to make this the norm of having those needed conversations, first and foremost with your spouse, and then also making sure that you get your children on board and disciple them as well.
1: We've got a big vision, including buying land, building a retreat center, a ministry training center to bring in couples and leaders pouring into them, strengthening their marriage. All of that requires resources on top of the fact that Building content like this takes a lot of time, energy, resources, you name it. So go to moremostforever.com and become a partner right now of any amount. The least our system will accept is $5. Hey, if that's all you have to give, we appreciate it. But we know some of you can give even more, 25 dollars $100. And it's all going towards this mission. And guess what? If you're married... We are starting a group, a private group, with those who have partnered with our ministry. We're calling it the Intentional Marriage Group. And what does that look like every month, Victoria?
0: So every month we're going to Zoom in together and we're going to cover other topics in more depth than what we can do here on our podcast and also address maybe some of your pressing questions. I know a lot of people are intimidated about the whole... Counseling sessions, one-on-one, even if it's a couple. So this will be a group session, and you can ask some of these questions anonymously and maybe get those things answered. And I think that that's very effective, you know, for your marriage to continue to thrive by being surrounded by couples that are like-minded, that want to invest in their marriage, and really see the importance in that as well. But not only that, we are also going to give you practical tips to take away date ideas and you will also have access to our upcoming events of course going to be the first ones to know so that you have the uh, spots available for you to sign up and register before anybody else does so
1: yes so become a partner now at moremostforever.com well i love the way that we're doing our podcast now by breaking it up into these really cool segments this first segment is your marriage strategy of the week. So before we get into our main topic, let's give you something really practical that you can implement right away. What's this week's strategy, Victoria?
0: So this week's strategy is about getting intentional about your weekly household rhythms. And I've noticed with a lot of couples, and I personally for us as well, it's it's a little bit easier to do when you're, you know, just... You and your spouse, there's no kids involved. However, once you have like a business that you're building, you got you get a new job, you get a new promotion, somebody is going to school, or you start having kids. I mean, sometimes we assume that we can just keep moving ahead without addressing some of this stuff mm-hmm. and not actually communicate what we need in this specific season. So we're kind of giving you guys like four pointers uh, to address when it comes to how to establish those healthy household rhythms. And one of the first one is having the talk about it, you know, just sitting down and saying, hey, what do you have on your plate?
1: But I think the key word is intentional.
0: Yeah. You can't just do it in passing and say, well, you never helped me do this and you never do this. Even though you express yourself, I don't know if that's going to be effective strategy and your spouse is supposed to automatically get it and say, oh, well, they're complained about this. So maybe I need to step up. They may do it. But it's probably going to be for a very short period of time. I think intentional conversation, meaning that you sit down and you agree to it, which means that you can actually keep each other accountable because of the intentional conversation.
1: And you can do that as the seasons shift. Like, okay, it's fall now. Our kids are in school. The the way that our household rhythms run now versus when it was the summertime, it's completely different. We need to get back on the same page as to Who's doing what? What does our weekly routine look like? What have we said yes to? What are we committed to? And and where do we need to say no in order to get our lives on the same page? Even Victoria and I this week sort of hit that that roadblock as well. You know, it's been about a month since our kids have been in school. And out of frustration in passing, because we didn't intentionally do it, we had a whole situation about you know the household duties and and chores and laundry and that sort of thing and it seems simple but it does weigh heavily on you as a couple if you don't intentionally address it see we made the mistake of allowing it to fester before we talked about it instead we should have been intentional and we're going to do that moving forward and we encourage you to do the same but that moves into point two which is to understand what is on each other's plate. Like in that conversation, talk about this is what I've got going on at the house and away from the house. So you know that you're not in it alone, or you can say, wow, my spouse is picking up a lot more than me when it comes to the weekly household responsibilities and I need to step up. Right. And,
0: yeah. And also sometimes you may not know what your spouse is doing if you are not really like deep into their job and. All the little things that they may do that you just kind of like, you know, well, I don't know what they do. So you just because you don't have those intentional conversations and are asking them, what do you do or what is currently on your plate? You actually sometimes don't know yourself what they may be actually going through and the pressure that they may be having.
1: Which is actually number three. Let's talk about those household responsibilities. So if you're the one doing the laundry. What does that look like for you? Explain that to your spouse that we're going to do that. You know, I'm going to do laundry on Monday and Wednesday and I'm going to do, I'm going to do things this way so that we know how to support you or step in if we need to. And then also just to be more, what is the word I'm looking for? Considerate of your spouse on those certain days when you know that they're having more on their plate. And number four is understanding what season that you're in is the current allocation of responsibilities in your home because of, you know, the season, maybe one of you's in school, maybe, you know, is it temporary and then really say to yourself, when does this end? When do we need to address this conversation again? I know that was a drive by, but Mm -hmm. just to recap, just a little bit, number one, intentional conversations, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: number two, what's on your plate already. Yeah. Number three, explain if you are responsible for a certain duty in the house how you're going to go about executing that every single week and number four what season are you in is this temporary or can this work long term and ultimately you got to revisit this often and again maybe every season
0: yeah, so that's the strategy of the week. We hope that you guys are implementing that. And I know that that will remove a lot of frustration that a lot of you guys are dealing with, especially if you are in a really work intensive season.
1: Yes. And for all your marriage strategies, make sure you're following us on social media at More Most Forever on Instagram, on Facebook. We put out quotes, reels, and more on this topic over there at More Most Forever. All right. Let's jump into this main topic, Victoria. Let's talk about money, the prosperous Mm -hmm. marriage. When people think about this idea of prosperity, I think that they are viewing it through the wrong context. Mm -hmm. They get their context from the world as to what it means to be prosperous. But Paul says, I desire that you prosper even as your soul prospers. And that speaks to us from a kingdom perspective. As believers, prosperity really isn't just about money. It's about the state of your soul. And so when you talk about money in marriage, you have to get rid of the idea that the pursuit that you both are on is the accumulation of things and just a fat bank account. Mm -hmm. And that's why we said that this is a transitional conversation. From the last few weeks about having a marriage with a mission, because ultimately, if you don't know why you're together and where you're headed, the direction of your marriage, what impact you're making, you really don't know what kind of budget you're going to need to get you there.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I think
1: it's a good analogy to say, right? If we are headed to California from South Carolina, and we've used sort of this analogy before, right? We've got to figure out the directions to get there. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go by car or plane? What's our time frame? That's what we've been discussing. But another big part of that conversation is what is it going to cost us to get there? Yeah. Right? The gas, the airline tickets, the food, you know, what we're going to ultimately do when we get there? When you think of that from a broader perspective of your marriage mission, right? What is it going to cost you to build this dream that's in your head and then budget accordingly what what is the what is the needs that you're going to have to take care of individually as your family and also to fund your dream that's really what prosperity is all about wouldn't you say
0: yeah you know one of the things that i love that you teach about uh purpose is that ha- god gives you everything that you need to fulfill your purpose and your assignment meaning yeah. that The resources that you need will be given to you according to your assignment. Mm. So not everybody needs, you know, a million dollars or even, you know, $10,000 a month in order to fulfill that purpose. I think if you are a good steward, which that's what God calls us to be, of what God gives you, then he will instruct you with more. And just like Mm. that parable about the one talent, the five talents and the 10 talents, that person that received very little was like you know that's not really a lot but he went and buried it instead of even putting it in the bank so it actually just even gains interest not even talking about investing but those other people did investing and you can't look at other people of what they have because you don't know the work that they will have to do in order to um reproduce whatever was given to them or multiply what's in their hand. I think you have to focus on what God has given you and steward that well, and God will continue to increase you. But again, it's all a perspective of your heart. Is your heart truly chasing the money, or is it there to fulfill God's will here on this earth?
1: That's good. So I know that in the last generation, there was this big prosperity movement among Christians. And I think a lot of people have begun to rightfully so unravel themselves from some of that bad theology. But at the same time, you can swing in the opposite direction because the truth of the matter is that God does want you to prosper, but he wants it to come from an inward satisfaction and not from the pursuit of material things that you're trying to use to fill a void in your soul. That's great. So if we are to look at prosperity, which is a God idea, but from a kingdom perspective and not a world perspective, what I think they did was they took, you know, this prosperity mindset from the world and tried to, you know, filter it in and layer it in with the Bible and theology. When we should instead take the Bible and our theology, our knowledge about God, And allow that to shape our view of prosperity. So Mm -hmm. prosperity from a kingdom perspective is, number one, a mindset. Prosperity is a mindset. Poverty is also a mindset. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. You can be bringing in a million dollars a year and still have a poverty mindset. You could be bringing in $60,000 a year or $50,000 a year and have a prosperity mindset. At the end of the day, it's how much are you consuming versus how much are you producing for the sake of the kingdom, again, not for your own gain. And number two, the thing I would say about prosperity, if I were to define it, prosperity is having everything you need to fulfill your purpose. Yes. So if you don't know your purpose, what you've been placed here to do, what assignment that you're on for God, then you're not going to know the resources that are going to be needed to build. The Bible says to count the cost before going into an endeavor. Anytime a project was laid out in the Bible, they had to assess, what is this going to cost? Where are we going to get these resources from? Let's build a plan with God. And of course, he's the one who's the architect. He gives us the plans and we build according to his pattern. For each of us, that's going to be different. While we all are called to build disciples, how we come about that is different. And so your individual purpose is going to take a separate set of resources than ours. You have to ask yourself, what are those resources needed? That takes you out of this competition mindset where you say, I need as much as that person. Well, if you don't have a million-dollar vision, what do you need a million dollars for? Right. God is not going to give you those type of resources. You know, you could acquire them illegally, and I'll say illegally. You might be following all of the rules of the laws of the land, but you're not following the laws of his kingdom. So you're acquiring all this money, putting all this energy out, because men are talented. Women are talented. There's a lot that we can build in our own strength. Look at the Tower of Babel. But ultimately, God had to shut that thing down. And in the same way, you could acquire millions and millions. It's either going to break you, the money itself, right? Because you have the wrong mindset about it. Or God's going to shut that thing down eventually. Yeah. You want to ask the question, what am I? building and how much is it going to cost to get there. I'm sorry for rambling, honey. I know you have a lot to contribute. Go ahead.
0: No, I love the scripture that you wrote down here. It's in Proverbs 21 5 that says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And I love that it says diligent because in order for you to know where you're going, you have to be diligent about assessing, you know, what do I have? Where am I going? What what God has called me to do? And write that vision and make it plain, just like we've talked about Habakkuk says about making the vision plain so that whoever sees, sees the vision, they can it. run with it. And so, and it says, surely as haste leads to poverty. Like if you're quick to make a decision and not sitting down, and this is even more so important when you're talking about marriage, because a lot of times we often make decisions not consulting our spouse. Mm. And God has put a our spouse in our, our lives to be like this board that we can kind of throw ideas off. And I think that there's times that your spouse will say, I think we need to not do this or we do not need to be partakers of this deal because I am not sensing good feelings about this specific deal. And God will give you those opportunities to either yield to your spouse or you're going to make those decisions and you'll see that they will lead to destruction Mm. if you don't yield to one another. And so-
1: I think that, can I jump in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's such a powerful assessment of Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. It, It makes you say, you know, we automatically think that those who are poor just aren't working hard enough. No, They're not putting out enough energy. you're
0: just not diligently putting in the energy where they it needs to go, right. It's like you're spreading yourself thin. You're so quick to go here, here, here. But I think it's because so it's the
1: difference between um prosperity and mm-hmm. poverty is whether you're diligent or whether you are what is what would the, would the word be hasteful?
0: Yeah, like quick to make decisions without thinking about you're you're not what really you're putting do.
1: forethought and intention. With with what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's powerful.
0: That is powerful because it it does take time for you to sit down and write out this vision. People like this is too boring. This is going to, you know, take up mental space in my head. Why do I have to sit here and ponder? But creating the strategy and this is why we've prefaced, you know, this episode by talking about marriage with a mission is when you write those things down, you can keep yourself accountable, but you can also keep your spouse accountable. And you can also say yes to the things that will add to the overall vision of what God has called your marriage to fulfill and say no to even the things that are good. And I think that for a person that's, you know, a believer and has a servant's heart, they will always have the opportunities that will be presented to them that are good. There's nothing wrong with them. Like, Can you be a part of this? Can you be a part of this? Can you do this? Yes, we can be a part of all that. And there's a great need in the body of Christ to fulfill specific tasks. But I think at the end of the day, if you are not diligent in looking back and saying what God has called me to do, then you're going to be very quick to say yes to the things that won't add value or help your marriage to fulfill that purpose. You're going to be very frustrated. And your spouse is going to be very frustrated with you as well.
1: And again, it it may bring some temporary flow of income into your home to say yes to something. Yeah. But ultimately, is it going to lead to poverty, right? And if we think again to the kingdom perspective of prosperity, is it going to crush your soul? Is it going to crush your marriage? Is it connected to the long-term purpose that God has given you as a couple and is it distracting you from what he really wants to do? See, whenever you look at prosperity through the kingdom and connect that to purpose, if you're obedient to the voice of God and the instructions of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, God will always bring the pro to every vision, provision. He's always going to come ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Everything that, that Adam needed was here. Why wasn't Adam created on day two or day three? Well, because there needed to be certain things in place in order for him to prosper in his purpose. And so God caused the suns to align, the sun to align, the moon to align, the 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 earth to yield forth the seed-bearing plants, for the the animals to come forth, for all of these elements to be put into place. And then, somebody who said this to us a few weeks ago, when we we were thinking, were thinking about Adam and Eve it may, it may have been my sister most people don't realize that they were created outside of the garden. Mm-hmm. Then God planted a garden and put them in what He planted.
0: Yeah, that's and so, so he
1: like. was the one who put all of the resources in place so that when they got there, what He put inside of them would come alive. And you think of prosperity from that place. God obligates Himself to provide for what He's put inside of you to accomplish. It's, it's, that's a weird way of putting it. God obligates Himself. Absolutely. He even calls Himself by name. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the God that provides. If I've called you to do it, then I'm going to bring the resources ahead of time, before you're even formed in your mother's womb. It's no accident that you were born at such a time as this. And You say to yourself, as long as I'm walking in purpose, money will be attracted to me. Not all money, but the money, the resources I need to do what God has called me to do for us to thrive as a family. Yeah, there's
0: a scripture about talking about, you know, if if God feeds the birds of the air and he clothes the lily in the, in you know, it's all its splendor, how much more will he care, you know, for his children? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we... Lack faith in believing that, you know, if God put this on our hearts to do, that we have to somehow make it happen for ourselves. Somehow it's going to come. But it's really believing God that the vision that He's given us, we are not able to do it, but He is able to do it. And He is going to provide whatever it is that we need in order for us to accomplish that vision and mission. And just going back to what you were saying about Adam, His, His, mandate that he's given is to multiply Mm -hmm. and if he commanded that for us to do that don't you think that he has provision in order for us to do that yes and a lot of it is on the inside of us yes for sure but when we're walking step in step with God's uh, will for our lives then God will continue to open doors that no man can shut and he will open and bring checks in the mail or I mean I've We've had miracles in our own lives mm-hmm. that we can testify and say it wasn't because of us. This showed up we, right on time. We yes. were just not even being able to even afford some of the stuff that we, you know, God told us that this is what we're gonna have. And somehow we stepped out in faith and it happened. Even when And it may all not happen in the way align. that you
1: think that it's gonna happen. Yeah. But it does show up. And that's hard if you're looking at your bank account right now and you're counting your dollars and and change, right? But you have to say, I'm going to step out in faith. If God's called me to do it, then he will obligate himself to provide for it. And he, he does every single time. And that's important what Victoria brings up because the first instructions to the, the first married couple that ever existed, it's very important for us to pay attention to. What is that dominion mandate? And you should filter all of the aspects of your marriage through that question or through that mandate rather. Are you being fruitful, multiplying, replenishing, subduing, and having dominion? You can take that from sex and intimacy. You can take it to how you raise your children. But in the context of this conversation, let's look at it through the frame of money. Yeah. Whenever you look at what is going in and out of your household every month, can you confidently say, I'm being fruitful? Mm. And in order to be fruitful, you've got to have seed in the ground. Am I multiplying? Is what I'm putting out there in the earth, you know, withering away as as quickly as the wind is passing by? Or is it returning a harvest? Maybe not this month, but am I experiencing a harvest now from seeds that I planted a few months ago? And if you've never had this mindset, you've got to give it time to work out for you. You know, we're going to be talking in this series about everything from tithing, why that's important giving a spirit of generosity what it's like to be anointed as a, as a giver we're going to talk about all that but it's connected to this mindset of prosperity that you've got to take on you've got to allow that poverty spirit to be broken off of you god needs you to be prosperous because he has a purpose for you to accomplish and you have to get real and look at your finances and saying are we being fruitful are we multiplying Are we subduing and having dominion? In other words, is money controlling you or are you controlling money? Mm. Is money dictating your activities every single month? And you've got this scarcity mentality that I'm chasing after meeting a bottom line, and we all can be guilty of falling into this. Or are you taking on a prosperity mindset, which is saying, I'm not chasing money. Money doesn't have authority over me. I'm disciplined over what I spend every day. I'm disciplined over the investments that I'm making, and I'm being very strategic about it. I'm not allowing money to slip through my hands. I am the captain of this ship. Money does not rule me. Mm -hmm. Go to that Dominion mandate and ask yourself those questions and say, do we have, with your spouse, do we have a prosperity mindset or do we have a poverty mindset? I'm not asking you how much money we got in the bank account. Mm -hmm. No matter what our check is every other week, right, do we have a prosperity? Are we handling, are we stewarding that? What God has given us. Yes. Speak on that, Victoria. I think that's the final point that we need to address in this week, the difference between stewardship and ownership.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the greatest revelations that I had in my life was recognizing that I can be a vessel or I can just be... The recipient and then not allow it to flow through me yeah and i think as soon as you have a revelation that whatever god gives you that it's a seed and if whatever he gives you should come in you do the work inside of you and it has to come through you yes. meaning that you have to release it and it, the sooner you understand that money is just a resource for you to do specific things but you are never like it's never yours. Mm. I mean, come on. We all ha- know we're doing exchange on a daily basis. You know, we receive money. We go get groceries. We pay money to get groceries. We we fill up our car. We gas. We pay money. You know, we we give somebody gift for birthday. They give the birthday gift to us. It's like there's always these transactions that are happening, happening. So as as long as you understand the principle of Being a vessel for honor for the Lord, then he will not, there will be no lack of seed. God gives seed to the sower, not to the person that comes, eats the seed and not plants it and not does anything with it. I mean, there's a story they talk about, you know, in a third world country about they brought a bunch of seed and they were, I guess, hoping that they would plant the seeds. But because these people were so famished, they didn't even understand because they were not taught to plant these seeds because if they wait, And if they could just, you know, work the ground, they could produce more and more and more. And not only that, they can actually create jobs. And so instead of eating the seed that God has given you, what can you do with the seed that God has given you in your hand? And how can you multiply that? And how can you become a good steward of that? And God will see your heart and he will see your faith and he will continue to increase you even more if you are faithful in what is given to you.
1: Yes. And that goes back to the parable of the talents, right? Whenever they showed themselves as good stewards, God made them ruler over cities collectively, right? And that is the scripture. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. That's an important thing to recognize. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is not Ryan's. The earth is not Victoria's. It's not yours. We have been placed here as a steward of the goodness of God, of the glory of God, as cultivators, to, one to ones to work what is God's. Ultimately, we have access to all of it because we're children of God, but it's not for our glory. And the moment that we have that mindset shift, I don't own this, is the moment that everything starts changing about the way that you manage money. You're You're more fearful, not in the scarcity side of fear, or you're not petrified, but you, the fear of the Lord comes upon you that I'm, this is the Lord's money. 10% mm-hmm. is not just God's. The whole thing is God's. So everything that I do with the money, how is it honoring God? Mm-hmm. Or is it just fulfilling a selfish desire inside of me to compete with someone else? When you take on this ownership mind, uh, mindset, you put yourself in direct competition with your spouse. This is my paycheck. Well, this is my paycheck. You know how, where's my money every single month? Well, no. If we take a stewardship mindset, the spirit of competition is broken. We're in this to steward God's money together. Yeah. And the same thing in your marriage as a whole. Now I'm not competing with my neighbor. I'm not competing with the person on social media who I think has it all together and has acquired certain level of houses and cars and, and vacations every single month. I stop comparing. And I say, no, God has made us stewards over a certain amount of resources. Are we being good stewards? And would he come back to us and say, you've been faithful over the little, now become ruler over much. Mm-hmm. You've got to start where you are, not where you're not. You got to start where you are and and, and ask these hard questions about whether or not you have a prosperity mindset or a poverty mindset go back to the dominion mandate. Are you being fruitful, multiplying? Does money have rulership over you, or do you rule rule the resources in your own home? Do you have a stewardship mindset, or do you have an ownership mindset? Do you understand what prosperity is from the kingdom context, or are you still looking at prosperity from the world's view of money? Yeah, so any last words you want to add to this topic? I know we're going to go into more next week. So. Yeah,
0: we're going to save the rest for the next coming weeks. It's going to be awesome. So make sure that you stay tuned by subscribing to our podcast. So that way, anytime it comes out, you know to listen to it. As soon as I, it comes I don't know out.
1: about you, Victoria, but this is not being talked about. It's no. not being talked about in churches. And it seems like, I don't know why God is having us, obviously, sex and money. I've heard this said before. Church avoids, but everybody deals with it, right? Especially in marriage. Nobody's talking about sex and God's design. We're talking about it. This is a needed conversation. Nobody's talking about money like this and being honest with you. We're talking about it because it's a needed conversation. So make sure you come back next week for more. But that's not the end of this episode. We have one more segment. It's our Q&A segment where we are answering questions that you have submitted. You can always submit your questions by text, 864 428 7131, or you can DM us on social media at Mormost forever. But, Victoria, what is the question of the week?
0: This uh, question of the week is How should one parent respond to their spouse being disrespected by their children?
1: So, this is a parenting question. A
0: parenting question. But I think, again, it goes hand in hand. What we've talked about of uh, writing uh, a mission and vision, like if you are not in tune together as a spouse, your kids are little psychologists, maybe big psychologists if they're teens. <laughs> they know exactly how to pin you against one another. That's right. And so that's the challenging part about parenting is that it's not only that you're responsible for physical provision of your children but you are needing to you need to give them guidance and direction. And oftentimes sometimes kids act out because they are crying out for attention mm-hmm. partially. And then there's also the aspects of boundaries. All kids crave boundaries. And I know that's an odd way for a child to ask for boundaries, but you have to be very firm about this is what our household values. This is the ho- the values of this house, and this is what you're going to uphold. And you're not going to disrespect your mom. You're not going to disrespect your dad. One of the things that I love that we do, you know, in, in our family is if one of our children raises their voice at, let's say, Ryan, I'm pretty quick about saying, don't you raise your voice at your dad. And the same thing with Ryan, whenever he notices one of the children raising their voice or talking back he will actually jump in like he's not even part of the conversation and so being proactive about that i think helps to put a stop before the kids get to a place of disrespect now the kids will step into disrespect if you're actually disrespecting your spouse in front of them and so Mm -hmm. you have to gauge where your relationship is with your spouse and what your respect level is with them? Are they
1: reflecting what you're treating your spouse? Yeah,
0: like? and sometimes that's exactly what you need to address.
1: And there's a couple things I can say here. Number one, we dispel the idea of a good cop, bad cop. Yeah. If one person has implemented a punishment, the other one abides by it, and not only that, we affirm it. And if our child comes and asks us for something, if it's without, it's if it's beyond the scope of something very simple or menial. I'll holler out to Victoria, you know, did you already address this? Or I'll ask my child directly. Did you get an answer from your mother about this already? And if it, if it turns out that they lied about that question, then they're getting it from both of us, right? That punishment is coming down, but it's important. What you said about the children reflecting your behavior, because it's interesting, we've taken on this thing where we don't fight, right? We never go into name calling we never resort to physical attacks or anything like that we do raise our voices with one another and sometimes that could come out of hand we we don't have screaming matches that's for sure but our conversations do get heated as many of yours probably do as well we don't do that behind closed doors we are not afraid of those conversations being had in front of our kids even if they don't understand everything that we're saying and there will be times when our children will try to correct us or they think on my daughter in particular she thinks that she can negotiate with me like her mom does no this is we're we are equals here mom and me we're equals we can talk we can debate we can come to a conclusion and we can argue back and forth and wrestle until we get something resolved from whatever we're talking about as a child you don't have that right. And so I have to affirm that and say, mm-hmm. you can express your opinion, absolutely. But once dad makes a final decision, there is no reversing that. And just like a king, if, if we make a decree as parents in our household, we cannot undo that decree. We have to make a subsequent decree that allows for privileges on top of that. So if that's a rule of the house, I'm not bending to accommodate any crying or pleading or any of that. And certainly if you think that you are going to raise your voice to your mother, even if her and I have had conversations that are heated, that doesn't mean it gives you the right to as well. Now on an extreme side of things, like Victoria mentioned, If you are disrespectful to your spouse outside of just heated conversations, like we're both passionate, if you're calling them out of their name, if we see that duplicated, you call them a B or a, you know, whatever the word is, you know, your son is going to call her the same thing and view her in that level of, with that level of disrespect. Now, the thing about what we do as well, we want to let our kids see us resolve our conflict. At the end of the day, if we have a heated conversation, they're still going to see us hold hands and come together. We're walking out that door as a family. We're going to show love to one another, you know, as best as we can in those moments. And they're going to see us. Mom and dad, they they might have had a disagreement, but at the end of the day, we're still a family. We're still one and they still respect one another.
0: Yeah, we're still in one accord and we are going to, make sure that we show respect to one another, but make sure we stand up for the other spouse. If we feel our child all of a sudden starts raising their voice at them. So,
1: and the last thing I will say about that before we end the podcast is that if your child is disrespecting you and your spouse is not around, this needs to be one of those needed conversations that you have with them. You know, whether it's pillow talk at night, once the kids have gone to bed and say, listen, this child is disrespecting me in this way and I need you to address it. Uh, And they said, yeah, okay, I'm going to address it. The next question I would ask out of my mind, especially if this is a woman approaching her husband would be, when are you going to be able to address that? Let me ask this, honey. Can you take the kids to school tomorrow and have a talk with them on the way to school or make sure that you set in motion like you know that when them kids get back from school they've already had a talk with dad so it's a clear communication like he's already addressed it this morning so if they come back with that same attitude i'm picking up that phone and i'm calling dad and you better guess what he's gonna be ticked off that he had to answer that phone at work or wherever he is and when he comes back he's gonna lay down the law vice versa it may happen the other way around as well typically it happens the way I just described with kids disrespecting the mother and the father needing to speak up, but it could happen the other way. It's just about clear communication and, and then also addressing the way that you're speaking to one another.
0: Yeah. But if you wanted to have one of your uh, questions answered, be sure to message us at 864-428-7131. Or again, you can message us through DM by going to at more most forever. And we hopefully will answer one of your questions on our next episode.
1: That's right. This has been a Needed Conversation. Next week, we're continuing our conversation about money and the prosperous marriage. So make sure you tune in. Until then, God bless and have a wonderful rest of your day.